This Irish Man Stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. I want to thank each and every one of you who joined me this week as we did a deep dive into the Declaration of Independence. And it's now Friday, and Independence Day has come and gone. You've had some beers, you've had some time with your family and your friends. You've had some food, you've had some, hopefully had some hot dogs and some pizza and some burgers. Hopefully you saw some really cool fireworks. And it's now Friday. And what I want to do today for a few minutes with you is, okay, John, I love the Declaration of Independence. I love your passion for our history. But, you know, I've always been a forward-thinking guy or a girl. I really want to know what can I do. Well, here's some lessons that we can learn from the from the Declaration of Independence. And I have eight things I want to share with you that I really want to emphasize of how you can act going forward. And the first one is something that I maybe as an outsider, see slightly different. You see, I see America as a country. I see it as a as a piece of land, and it's an amazing country. I see America as a, a collection of people, a collection of individual people coming together to make a better tomorrow by pursuing their happiness. That is the way a lot of people see America. But I see America slightly different. I see it as a country. I see it as a great people. I salute your people. I believe in the sentiments of the Tocqueville. America is great because Americans are good. But I also see America as an idea. As an idea that changed the world. Those ideals, that truths are self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by the Creator with certain rights, Those ideals mean something to me. They're true. Even if we don't agree on what ideals the ideals are, the idea of maybe you don't agree with free speech. Maybe you think that there are certain speech that should be curbed. Okay. But that you agree that there are certain things that are off limits, that they're never up for debate. They're never up for discussion. And that your right for these to these can never be taken away, regardless of who upholds power. Whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, a Libertarian, a Conservative, a Tea Party, a Progressive, a Socialist, a Communist, whatever. They can never be taken away. And they can never be taken away from your political opponents. Because the one thing about freedom and about principles is, it's always easy. Like, you know, when we talk about free speech as a perfect example in today's world. It's always easy to defend the speech that you're comfortable with. Well, I have no problem with you saying that. I have no problem with you saying that. It's easy to be for that because it's, it costs no political capital. And this happens on both sides of the aisle. The speech that you should protect, it's like the one that you're like, oh, should you say that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you should. I'll defend you. I may think you're wrong. I may think you're even an idiot. I may think you're an insensitive Fill in the blank, a-hole, butthole, whatever word you want to use. I'm trying to keep this kid friendly. But use whatever word that is really strong. You're, you're the worst person. You have a right to say it. You don't have a right to say things that make people feel comfortable. The right is to say things that are uncomfortable. America is a set of ideals. America is with the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. It is a set of ideas. Are you living up to those ideas? Look at your constitution and your bill of rights. It is violated on a daily basis by both sides. Is it time to actually look and kind of go, you know what? 
we don't want to follow the Constitution anymore. We don't want Article 2 to be limited. We want the President to have more power. Okay, well then, be honest, I'll just disagree with you. But are those ideals that your founding fathers risked absolutely everything for been followed? The second thing that we can learn, and every politician can learn this, and every media pundit can learn this if they actually wanted to work at their jobs, but they don't. They want to pick the easy way out. Because it's easier to say, you know what, hey, this is why they suck. One of the things that's amazed me, and I'm not very political anymore, but I used to be very involved in politics. I used to be involved trying to, you know, hey, this person's really good, this person's a constitutionalist, this person should be, you know, win. I gave up for many reasons because, one, the politicians that did win turned out to be different, but two, they lost a lot, and I was really bad at it. But one of the things that always amazed me about, about was about your politics is where you go to all the, your people in your area and outside your area, but, you know, you'd say, hey, I need money. And you'd get money, you know, directly to the campaign, or people would go and donate to a super PAC, which wasn't connected with the campaign, and say, hey, look, I need all this money. We need to run these adverts. And the people would give money to the politician. And then what did they do? They'd give all this money, and they'd run adverts talking about their opponent and why they were bad. Your Declaration of Independence, it took 357 words for them to name one bad thing they didn't like against the king. The first 356 words were, hey, this is what we're for. Can you imagine if you put that into context? Look at all the media people today. Oh, the Democrats are so bad. Oh, the Republicans are so bad. Why? And what happens is the whole thing just slides and continues sliding because there's no incentive to say what you're for because that actually requires work. That actually requires thinking. But also that requires you to hold your side accountable because if you start saying, hey, this is what we're for, then guess what? If your side violates it, you got to call out your own side and that doesn't make you popular. A prime example of this is Article 2. Who wants to call out their own side when it comes to Article 2 that the presidency has no power? Another example, the Fourth Amendment. Do you have a right to privacy? Well, guess what? Both sides say you don't. They both continue with these warrantless wiretaps. Both sides, Republicans and Democrats. Even when there's, there's, there's new litigation put forward, or not litigation, sorry, new laws been proposed in Congress. There was one a couple of weeks ago. Hey, get a warrant. Nah, no, nah, we don't want to have to do that. Do you have a right to privacy? Tell me what you're for, not what you're against. Lesson three. America was not about people. We have romanticized, and rightfully so, I believe, as someone who genuinely loves George Washington. I think he is the greatest man to ever live, apart from Jesus Christ. But I don't consider Jesus a man. I consider him divine. But literally, I think he is the greatest man who ever lived. Because not only did he leave power once, but twice. There's so many stories, and we've shared these over the many years during this show. I think your pers- your revolution was about principles. Again, and I can prove this by your culture, because so much of your founding father's influence is in your culture. It's about stories that you share. Everyone can quote a little line from the Declaration of Independence. All men are created equal when in the course of human events. Yet if you ask that person, name one person who signed the Declaration of Independence, they would maybe struggle. They might come up with Thomas Jefferson or or different, you know, one of the, the popular names. But would they know how many signed it? How many people signed it? 56. How many colonies were there? 
different questions like this. Your prince, your part, your history is not about people. It was about principles. It was about nature's law and nature's God. Now look at it today. How many people can tell you about the opposition? Who can tell you who's running for president? How many people can tell you how many nominees there are for Democrat president? There's 20. How many people can name them? No, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Beto, the Irish guy with the Latino name. You know, they can name them. Now name the principles they're for. What are they for? Everyone wants to run against something. Even Donald Trump, and I agree with him when he says this, America will never be a socialist nation. Great. I I hope that never happens. But what will America be? Will you be for crony capitalism or will you be for free markets and principles? The next thing we can learn is when we can look at this as we look through, especially for 2020, is the role of government. What are people proposing policies to do? Are they looking at government to be the saviour? To be the great white horse, to be the great equalizer in society, and to give people rights? Or are they going to be the people that your founding fathers wanted to protect your individual rights? That they understood government, where it happens, should be extremely limited. Are we going to look at government through the eyes of your founding fathers going forward and say, hey, you know what? Art, the federal government has certain powers, but everything else is up to the state. We believe in federalism. Or are you just going to continue on the path of man's law that, well, whatever the president says works, you know, and whatever Congress does, if they violate it, works, and the states just give up their power? Are we going to hold our then people accountable, or are we just going to continue going on? Then, a question which everyone hates. What are you responsible for? We spoke about this when we talked about government, that everyone wants to talk about their rights. Hey, I have a right to free speech. I have a right to contraception. I have a right to health care. What are you responsible for? We spoke about this in the Declaration of Independence, where not once but twice it says it's the right of the people to alter and abolish their government, but to institute new governments. That speaks about their duty under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. What is your responsibility? What do you have to do? I don't know what the answer to this is, by the way, because it will be different for everyone. Everyone has a role to pay, to play. You want to know what my responsibility is? My responsibility is the same thing it's always been. It's to testify to your greatness. And to explain why I love America so much. Because here's a newsflash. As much as I love George Washington, you hear me talk about George Washington being the greatest person. You never really hear me say about George Washington the president. It's George Washington the man. My responsibility is to highlight the principles of your country that I love, that I believe changed your nation. And to help inspire you. Because your history is amazing. It doesn't need to be embellished. It doesn't need to be made cool. It doesn't need to be made hip. It's incredible. It's an incredible story. In fact, it's so incredible that if someone actually wrote your history and went to Hollywood and say, hey, I've got this great story. You should make this a Hollywood blockbuster. They would read it and go, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I get it. The, you know, the, the people with the pitchforks and, and the knives and a few of them had guns is going to beat the superpower of the army of the day. Yeah. Get real. People won't buy it. People will look at this and go, this would never happen. Yet that is your history. That is amazing. It just so happened that, oh, the worst winter happened at just the right time. That the lake just happened to freeze just at the right time. That will never happen. That, that so wouldn't re- it happened. That is your history. Your history doesn't need to be embellished. It's amazing. It's inspiring. 
And I know one of the criticisms my friends get from the left, I, I get from my friends on the left going, oh, you're always looking backwards, John. Why don't you ever look forward? Because history, while it doesn't repeat itself, it sure as hell rhymes. And what we're seeing right now is we can, a rhyming of history where you're no longer talking about nature's law, you're talking about man's law and what's popular and about winning. This is not an American thing. This is a problem the whole world has always had. I don't look back to romanticize the founding fathers. I look back at history so I can learn from it and go, what did they do? How did they act? And was it good or bad? And if it was good, we can follow it. If it was bad, we can learn from their mistakes. Like your founding fathers did. Your founding fathers, when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, when they were writing the Constitution, they didn't go, hey, what sounds good and what should we do? They looked back, they studied ancient Greece, they studied Rome. Why did those civilizations, which were considered great at the time, fail? And what can we do to improve upon it? They even looked at the king and said, hey, what do we not like about the king? So that when we get independence, when we start running and controlling our country and as the United States of America, what can we do to ensure the people never uprise against us? What rights can we protect? Hey, you know what? Let's not have general warrants. Okay, great. Let's have that. Let's have the Fourth Amendment. Hey, let's not control speech and silence people. Great. Let's have the First Amendment. And when things get really bad, let's have people who can defend themselves. Let's allow them the right to bear arms. Great. That's the Second Amendment. Hey, you know what? Let's have a fair trial. Let's be innocent until proven guilty. Okay, that's the Fifth and the Sixth Amendment. Your founding fathers look back on history, not to, to say, hey, romanticize it, but to learn from their mistakes. Say, hey, what can we take and improve upon it? Let us look at your founding fathers and take what they did and make it better. Then it's how you fight. This is lesson six. So many people today are wanting and are in the fight, quote unquote. They're in politics. They're in the, hey, I want to destroy you. If you look on social media for five minutes, you'll see hatred and bombs going from either side. You know, you have the right saying things about the left. Oh, they're only a bunch of commies and hippies. You got the, the rockets from the left going, oh, they're only a bunch of white supremacists and Nazis. What did your founding fathers do? And I would ask you as I read this, and I'm going to quote from your Declaration of Independence, ask yourself truly whether people have a genuine gripe or not, how many people have done this? And I quote, In each stage of our oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humblest of terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose charter is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be ruler of a free people. I want to ask you two questions. How many times have people today, whether they have an actual gripe or a perceived gripe, have sought redress in humble terms? Or has it all been about, hey, look at me, I'm going to get you. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to punch you back. Or is it about humility? The greatest changes have happened in your time, in your country, not by anger, but by humility. I look at people like the Reverend Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Why did one win and one lose? Because while one was talking about, hey, get whitey, he's to blame, i.e. Malcolm X. Martin Luther King was walking across a bridge arm in arm. How could you hate that? He was seeking redress and rightfully so in humble terms. He spoke to your people. Your people have always been a humble people. 
You come from humble backgrounds. You escaped a religious persecution in England. That is ingrained in who your people are. Your people are kind, decent, humble, honest people, noble people. Look into politics today. Does that encourage nobility? Does that encourage humility? Or does it encourage anger, hate, division? Get them. They're the problem. They're the problem with today. Seventh issue. Seventh thing we can learn. Is understand why things are important in society. You want to talk about your founders been dumb? Well, they clearly weren't because of the Declaration of Independence. Look at how they signed off the Declaration of Independence. We pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Well, we knew life was important to them because they said it was the first right from God in the start of the Declaration of Independence. We knew fortunes was important to them because, as I said in previous shows, these 56 people who signed the Declaration of Independence were the bourgeoisie, were the capitalists. They did have a lot of power and money. So clearly fortunes was important to them. They also, in the first writing of the Declaration of Independence, before there was a pursuit of happiness, they said you have a right to property. They changed it because of slavery. They So clearly fortunes was important. But why did they say honor was sacred? Why was honor so much needed that it needed that oomph? Honor is sacred. Because it's true. Because here we are 240 years later and an Irishman is talking to you about honor being sacred. I was talking to you about how these men and women, while they're imperfect, while they're sinners, if I may use religious language, came together and put all the egos aside and created perfect documents, which I believe are the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. All that was cast aside. But you want to know also how else, and I can prove this by your culture, honor is sacred. There's a saying out there, don't be a Benedict Arnold. Go research the story of Benedict Arnold. Why was that a saying? Because he was for you. He was one of the great patriots for America prior to turning on you. That is ingrained in your culture, acting with honor. How many people today, and even forget the politics, forget the media, because it's always easy to pick on them. Because what politician acts with honor today? What media outlet acts with honor today? It's a very short list if it is anybody on that list. But just, it's easy to pick on them. Let's look inwardly. What are you responsible for? Where where do you act with honor? How many times today do you see people, well, if it just got me an extra 50 bucks, I'd screw someone. Or I'd just take something off the street. If there was $20 lying outside the, the sidewalk, would you try and hand it in and, and see it's find its rightful owner? Or would you just take it? Go, happy days, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. How many people act with honor? And lastly, we spoke about nature's law and nature's God. How many people today understand the role of God, whether it's a Christian God or any other God, and how they deal with him? So many people today, and I find this, and it's one of my biggest disagreements with Christians, I'll call out my own side all the time, it makes me very popular, who actually believe it's their job or God's job to be on their side. The amount of times, the amount of times Christians come to God's on my side. I'm like, is it God's job to be on your side? God is the supreme being, the creator of everything in this world. And it's his job to be on your side. Whose job is it to be on whose side? Nature's law and nature's God. There's a great story from the Civil War where, the, you know, there's a lot of back, back and forths between, you know, the, the Yankees. Yeah, go Yankees! 
Yeah, that's always gets hate from you. I know. Yeah, bring it on. Send me a message. Yankees suck. I got it. I got it. Yankees are ruled. 27 times world champions. Soon to be 28. But there's a great story where the Yankees and the Confederates are fighting and there's a lot of skirmishes and all that stalemates. You know, Yankees win some, the Confederates win some, and Lincoln is going crazy and he's like, what do we need to do? So he calls a, a great meeting of his cabinet and they make the new plans of what we're going to do and it gets up and the general gets up and he says, I think we have the plan to win this war, Mr. Mr. President. All we need now is God to be on our side. And Lincoln famously corrects him, sir, I worry not about being on God's, or God being on our side. Because God is always perfect. I worry about us being on God's side. What is the role? It's not God's job or your creator's job to be on your side. It's our job to be on his side. And as they signed off the Declaration of Independence, and I want to quote, We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress, assemble, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, due in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies and of the right ought to be free and independent. How many people ask and appeal to the Supreme Judge to be on their side? How many people understand it is their job to be on God's side? There's a reason why it's divine providence. You're asking him to help you by acting with noble intentions. It's us, our job to be on his side, not the other way around. It's why nature's law and nature's God is so critical. This is what your Declaration of Independence did. It tried to bring the laws of man inconsistent and be consistent with the laws of God. Prior to it, it was all about, hey, I'm king, I'm queen, I'm monarch, I'm a dictator. I don't care whether my laws are consistent. Your Declaration of Independence, your founders said, you know what? We need to bring them in line. It's why scripture is so true out, written throughout the, the Declaration of Independence and your founding documents. Your founding fathers understood it was up to us to be on God's side, to chart that new course and look at how he rewarded you. You overcame the odds. And you change the world forever. That is why you are exceptional. That is why your country is unique. And I believe while you do have many problems, and we discuss them each and every week on this show, you have problems with the politics, you have problems with Congress, you have problems with Article 2, you have problems with the Constitution being violated, you have problems with the economics, you have problems with your people. You have many problems today. But guess what? I believe there is not one problem you face that cannot be solved by us looking back at history and taking what your founding fathers created and looking forward and making it a better tomorrow. Because I am still hopeful for your future. I am hopeful if you start learning and understanding why you're exceptional and start following those rules. And yes, sometimes that will involve you losing. Sometimes it will involve you losing personally and maybe as a family, but for a better tomorrow, you're willing to make that sacrifice for your kids, for your grandkids, for future generations. If we all work together, we can have that future. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Please subscribe to the show. We release a new show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. It's a weekly show. It's less than an hour. We talk about principles, not about parties. We talk about the news of the day. Please subscribe. We're on free, ad for free. We're free costs on all major platforms. SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Omni FM, Spotify, CastBox. You name it, we're there, baby. 
we're there each and every week, Saturday, 12 noon Eastern. Also, get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter, Freedom Disciple. I'm on Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58. Get in touch. I love engaging with you. This has been an amazing week. And I hope if I have done my job, you love your nation that bit more. Have a beautiful and blessed Independence Week. And on this Friday, we finish the show we do each and every week by saluting those in society who risk it all. Your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And most importantly, I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever forget the secret sauce is America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, you all have a beautiful and blessed Independence Day. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.